Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. And I'm Jay. Happy birthday, America. I'm so glad that George Washington gave you your wooden teeth and Ben Franklin uh, electrified you so you came to life and said it was alive. It's alive. That's what happened, right? And Alexander Hamilton scored the whole thing with two turntables and a microphone. That is exactly what happened. That's nice. what I remember. Excellent. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, today, incidentally, when you said happy birthday, I, I was like, what? I Today is, as we record this uh, on the second, is my son's birthday. Oh. Happy birthday, Remy. Uh, my youngest yeah. is uh, 10 this morning. So uh, happy birthday to him. You put a magic hat on top of his head, and then he just came to life, right? That's how he did. He, he sprung. No, he was like Athena. He sprung from my helmet, fully formed, or something like that. Um, <laughs> sometimes, listen, <laughs> when he's being bad, sometimes I think he sprung from me, fully formed. He is absolutely a clone of little Joel. It is a a real problem. Um, it is America's birthday this week, so happy birthday, America, as well. The 4th of July right around the corner for us. we got lots to get to, lots of topics, and as a matter of fact, we've got a special guest today, so let's get into the topics. Jay, uh, a couple of things broke like right after you and I recorded last week. We've got one really interesting story from James Cridlin, uh, but then to me, an even bigger one, first of all, welcome back. To Daniel J. Lewis, uh, he had he's been teasing for a while that he had a new story coming out. He had a podcast episode about it coming, and he had a huge report that he was going to release. Uh, he has been taking care of some personal stuff for a while and has been sort of quiet. He hadn't been on the Podcasters Roundtable. He hasn't been producing the Audacity to Podcast for a while, and uh, this was going to be his return to the industry, return to the space. Pretty big info. Nice actually. return. He didn't yeah. Come, yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't hold back on his first step out the door, did he? Uh, and he named names too. The, the headline feature is who offers the fastest podcast hosting? That's what he wanted to see. He wanted to scan the entire medium. And boy, like the, if you go look at the data and the link is in the show notes here, but he did pretty complete testing. I mean, I really, like, as I scanned through his stuff, I couldn't think of something that I would have wanted him to do extra or more or more extensively, et cetera, et cetera. He, he was, you know, complete in his, um, comprehensive. That's the word that I was looking for. He's comprehensive in his, uh, results. Here are a short list. No, heck, I'm just going to read them. It's Amazon S3. It's anchor. It's archive.org archive.org, Audio Boom, Blueberry, Bunny CDN, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Cast OS, Fireside, iVooks, Libsyn, Omni Studio, Pinecast, Pippa, Podbean, all three levels of their service, Podcast.co, Podient, Podagree, Podmeo, Podmatic, uh, Podserve, Red Circle, Simplecast, SiteGround, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Transistor, Wooshka, and Zencast. He did them all, Jay. I mean, like, I honestly, I can't think of a media host that I would have wanted to add to that list. Can you think of anybody that he left out? He mentioned, too, that he wanted uh, an Art19 and Megaphone that he was unable See, to get test accounts with. I And I, it would have been nice to be able to put them on the list here, but I don't even count them as media hosts because it's my understanding that you can't as you can't just buy into either one of those services, right? Like it's a partnership in both of those cases and it's effectively your your 
becoming part of their media arrangement. They're either dealing with your advertising or something like that. They're an agency for you if they're hosting your content. Am I wrong on that? Yes. So Megaphone is a little bit closer to what you just described. Uh, Megaphone will really only deal with you if you've got a super large audience. You have to have, uh, I believe it's at 20,000 listens per episode uh, before they'll allow you onto their platform. I know that they had plans to release uh, two smaller podcasts, um, but I haven't seen any of that actually occurring yet. So Megaphone usually just deals with larger broadcasters, a lot of corporate broadcasters, to be quite honest. Art19 deals with anyone. Art19 you can buy into. The problem is is their uh, price is exorbitantly high uh, for an independent podcaster. If you are looking at what what it is that they provide for you and everything, and they simply are a tech company. They only provide you the tech for your hosting and for your ad management systems. They do not actually provide you the sales team. Although I think that's changing because uh, Lex Friedman, who used to be at Midroll, is now uh, at Art19. So that also might be changing. Hmm. The uh, And again, you need to go read the article and just go through all of the data at, at, at uh, as, a, as a whole. But the key that he was looking for was to see how fast is the file that I upload served to my audience on each one of these services. And so he took the same file and uploaded it to all of these different services and then test downloaded it many, many times and compared the uh, average and the median for all of those. And not only did he do it uh, many times he did it from multiple locations. He used multiple download locations around the world so that he, it wasn't just based on, well, you know, the speed here is very high. The speed in this part of the world is going to be uh, worse for those servers or whatever. What What was the most surprising thing that popped out on this result for you, Jay? Well, again, for me, this part of the this part of the action is more in your wheelhouse when we're talking about upload speeds and things like that. That gets way too technical, way beyond what I understand. However, looking at the graph and understanding what it is that he's measuring, uh, Podbean sticks out like a real bad sore thumb, uh, as does Podomatic. Yeah, so P- Podomatic and Podbean, honestly, were the only two companies that were egregious when compared to the rest of the market. There were some surprising uh, offerings, I thought, on the amount of speed that's possible from some of these newer, younger companies. For instance, especially Captivate. Uh, Captivate was listed on this chart as the second fastest serving service. That is outstanding since they're still in beta. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not even a fully developed and fully available server. You can't go and buy them right now. Um, that's impressive to me. For Podbean to be so much slower. And again, I, I, we should couch this, and Daniel does in the full article. He, he says, even the slowest on this list, we're talking about being able to download something like, I think he says, six minutes of audio in about a second. Right. So like, we're this is still, it's fine for streaming. But what he's showing is, even among the players where you are paying roughly the same amount of money to Libsyn or to Blueberry or to Spreaker or to whoever it might be every month to host your content, there is a difference in how they're serving that content back to your audience. Probably doesn't matter for individual small podcasters, but if you're a large service or if you have a large audience, as he says, it might be worth it to consider 
faster hosting, particularly if you're on these slowest services, which again, stand out like sore thumbs. Most of the field falls within a very, very tight range. Spreaker, for instance, the ones that that we host with, they are slower, significantly slower than I would say uh, Buzzsprout or uh, I'm looking here at uh, Captivate, for instance, was significantly faster than Spreaker. And yet Spreaker is exponentially faster well, than Podomatic or or uh, Podbean, and even there, on their fastest plans. That's what blows me away. And there might be a reason for that, because with dynamic ad insertion, you are essentially already going to be automatically slower. Now, while dynamic ad insertion does work rather quickly, there is still another function that is happening in the background before your file is actually served. A request is made by a listener. The servers are going, where's that listener requesting this from? Who is that person? Da, 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 and trying to target a specific ad to that specific person. Uh, you will hear others talk about how targeting does not work um, 100%. And I would, I would agree that it doesn't work 100%. Uh, but it does work to a certain extent. It is able to glean certain information from people that are making requests, and out those ads can then be targeted specifically to those people. And that will slow down, obviously, the delivery of that file to that particular person, especially depending on where the ad placement is within the file that is being sent to that particular person. And because it's dynamic, it's always changing, and so there might be an instance where it's taking a little bit longer for that one particular episode to be delivered due to the ads that are in it versus another day when those ads aren't necessarily available. So uh, any of these sites that have dynamic ad insertion in them could be slower and would be slower specifically for those reasons. Jay, there was a second part to this report and Which I found I, more I fascinating. Think, <laughs> I was going to say this is this is absolutely your area of expertise, and uh, it wasn't. I don't think something that he was looking to find, but it was something that came out of his research here. Uh, and Daniel found that there were some hosts in particular that are not doing a very good job of filtering out bots. Obviously, the way that he tested this was a download bot. So he could look at the statistics in most of these media hosts and could see that they're doing a very good job of filtering that out. In particular, uh, the list of, of podcast hosts that didn't count a single download from his bot, Blueberry didn't, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Casto, uh, CastOS, uh, Libsyn, Omni Studio, Pinecast, Podbean, Podomatic, Transistor, Wooshka, and Zencast. All of them filtered out every single one of the bots. The group that he said was within the okay range, they allowed some of the bot downloads to count, but didn't count very many, would be Anchor, Podagree, PodServe, Red Circle, Simplecast, and Spreaker. They all counted 16 except for Simplecast, which only counted eight. And he says he thinks that's literally one continent didn't get counted for some reason. That's why their number is half of all of the rest of them. But then there were some services that just did not handle it very well. Um, Audioboom, iVooks, Podient, SoundCloud all allowed more than 20 bot downloads. And then this is the naughty list. And most of opinion. them actually, actually, those ones that you mentioned doubled the number of bots. 
with 32. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, up to, you're right, up to, yeah, everybody except SoundCloud doubled the number from that previous group from 16 to 32, and then SoundCloud only got 24 of them. Which is uh, but then the, the truly naughty list, uh, they counted every single bot download, so he got an extra 160 downloads uh, in this t- in this testing, Fireside was on that list. Pippa, Podcast.co, and Podmeo, and Fireside and Pippa both say that there are changes coming. Uh, or, or Pippa, he says there's a change to the default you can make that would make the stats more accurate. And Fireside says there is a change coming in July that should better filter those downloads. But right now, those five, he said he could you know just as many downloads as you wanted, you could run them up. Interesting, interesting list. What do you, what do you have to say about this, Jay? Well, I will say about the the naughty list, as he put it, Fireside, Pippa, Podcast.co, and and Podmeo. Those are smaller hosting companies. They don't have larger podcasts on those particular platforms. Uh, so I'm not I'm not thoroughly concerned with those particular companies, other than the fact that every company should be working to get. IAB certified. That said, what is even more concerning to me is the companies that are IAB certified that are that he has featured here. Blueberry, for instance, IAB certified. They're, let's just use Blueberry as like our standard at this point when we're talking about IAB certification. And it's not just because Todd Cochran is, you know, one of the loudest members of our podcasting group out there. It's because they were the first. They were right there, front and center, making sure that this is the way that things are going to go down. Uh, Blueberry counted none of those bots, and they are IAB certified. Spreaker is IAB certified, and they counted 16, one per test region, according to Daniel J. Lewis. If you are IAB certified, how are you still counting your Magic Pizza customers differently? I don't get it. I thought that was the whole point of certification. And now that really hurts the whole IAB certification process because I have an IAB certified company that's counting bots and yet they're certified. I don't get I, it. I don't understand. You you talked about the uh, the download speeds being above your pay grade or, or over your head. This stuff is over my head. I do not understand how, again, taking it back to that magic pizza metaphor, um, I do not understand how you can have the magic pizza counter. I understand the difficulty of different shops counting the magic pizza the same. I get that metaphor. But once we've had a commission decide on magic pizza counting and that's they go thoroughly in gone and through your st- – That's like what the, I'm saying. The, the and they establish ridiculous. This store is magically pizza counting correctly, and they walk over across the street. This store is magically pizza counting correctly, but they're not the same. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But it's, it's. You brought this even before we had these numbers, though, Jay. You mentioned this last week. Spreaker puts together our Spotify numbers and our other numbers and our statistics, and we already know that Spotify is an IAB certified or compliant how how can you put those numbers together if there's a if, if there's a pile of good apples and a pile of questionable apples and you put them in the barrel together they're all now questionable apples mm-hmm. so yeah i don't I, i'm not going to sit and pretend i know because i don't but it just to me and and todd and rob walsh have said that even once you are certified there is still a chance that your numbers are going to be different there's going to be 
there's certain differences in the way that the companies still do that that are still underneath the guidelines of what the IAB have pre- presented. Todd has mentioned it's the blacklists. He says he's he said publicly that Blueberry pays something like fifteen thousand dollars a year for a complete blacklist of user agents uh, that cannot be counted and will not count towards your podcasting stats. If that's the difference here, I have a feeling that there are going to be other companies that even once they go through the IAB certification, which is an expensive and painful process, they're not then going to go that extra step to get the expensive blacklist. And again, it it all, again, leads to the need for some sort of podcasting trade association to help dictate this and get all of these companies on the exact same page. Because the more that we continue to be on different pages, the more we're going to get articles citing the quote unquote wild, wild west. We're still going to get all these different confusions about uh, coming from advertisers or potential advertisers that are like, well, I'm getting these numbers from this company and you're giving me these numbers from this company and yeah there's only a 5% difference but that 5% depending on the size of my budget could be a sizable difference in dollars and i want to make sure i'm getting the most bang for my buck i want to make sure i'm getting my most return on investment you're both iab certified now who am i supposed to trust it it just it leads to more questions that shouldn't be there anymore so let's make this happen industry we need a podcast trade association to start ruling over us and whom those people are that should be on that association i have no idea because there's no way you're going to get every company to agree to every person on that board there's and and even once you do there's no way that that board is all going to agree with one another uh fascinating fascinating i would love this is something that i would actually like to talk to uh, Daniel about in more specificity. It's the kind of thing I'd like to talk to Todd about in more specificity sometime, but I imagine a lot of it is going to come down to trade secrets. I, I think some of the specific secret sauce that is different from company to company is some of the things that is literally what Blueberry would say makes them different than Libsyn and Libsyn would say makes them different than Spreaker, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think honestly, we're not going to get specific answers on the why, why don't they just match up? Why can't we all just have one system? When it comes to counting, there shouldn't be any secret sauce. Like when it, mm. we're talking about podcast statistics, there shouldn't be a differentiator in that particular area of what these companies are doing. The podcast hosting speed Absolutely, that should be something that differentiates your company from another one. Hey, we host faster than the other company over there. It's been proven. Look at Daniel J. Lewis's research. That sort of thing is a differentiator. And I can't believe I've said that word numerous times without messing it up. I'm impressed with myself. I'm patting myself on the back in mid-sentence. But counting podcast stats, there's no need to make that something different. And it shouldn't be something different. We should all be counting the numbers the exact same way. And the fact that they are different means that there's dollars attached to the way that people are counting things. And they're not ready to give up those dollars quite yet. Here's a slick transition. Let's talk about somebody who is ready to give up some dollars, Jay. (laughs) Wooshka. Speaking of one of those companies listed above, Wooshka performed pretty well they on did. Uh, Daniel J. Lewis's test, by the way. 
Uh, Wooshka is not a company that I've used in the past as a media hosting uh, platform. I have heard of them. I've had friends that have used them. I've not had a client on their platform, so I, I don't know about their back end. I haven't used their service. But their blog had a pretty exciting announcement to make. The new Forever Free Plan. Today, we are excited to announce some upgrades to our Forever Free Plan and the launch of a brand new paid pro plan, Forever Free. Our goal with Forever Free is simple. Create the best value free podcast hosting plan on the planet. It's free and always will be. Today, Forever Free is getting some brand new features to add even more value. Transcripts. You're now going to get free automated transcription of up to one hour of audio per month. Transcripts are perfect for adding your podcast website uh, for users with accessibility requirements. You can edit, save, download your transcripts from the transcripts tab in the Wooshka dashboard. Uh, and they've got a short video to see transcripts in action. They also are offering dynamic content insertion. Wooshka is the only free podcast host to offer dynamic content, content insertion. Um, interesting, by the way, that they say content and not dynamic ad insertion, which is separate, right? So they're saying that you yourself can monetize your own podcasts with relevant ad campaigns targeted by genre and listener location, but also use it for cross-promotion, announcements on your show, in any episode of the show that you host on Wishka. So this, I'm thinking specifically for uh comedians who are just starting out their show, you know, and they're trying to do it all, but on a really low <laughs> budget, uh, the idea that you could go and dynamically reinsert and, and shift the announcement section of your show, every episode that says where you're going to be yeah. so that literally every time somebody downloads it, they're hearing the, whatever is current, that is really, really powerful. And the fact that I can do that for $0 with Wishka that that would be pretty impressive. But likewise, if you've you've got a couple of buddies who all do okay, Jay, more in your area, let's say you got three friends and they all have NFL shows about their own favorite team, do cross promotions. Do do 45 second minute long cross promotions for your show and then swap the ads and dynamically insert those into each other's shows all for free through Wooshka. That again, this could be really really big not just for advertising but for other for promotion and growing your audience or or outside of your show uh, advertising other things that you're doing. Well, Forever Free now adds a media library too with 5 gigabytes of free storage. You can use it to store video and audio files and ad reads to use with the dynamic content insertion. That's a pretty cool idea too. Like, and again, on top of your unlimited episode storage. So 1000 dynamic ad impressions per month go pretty quickly as a guy who has a small show that uses dynamic ad insertion. I deliver way more than I, I think I deliver a thousand ad impressions maybe in one episode. Let me go double check that right now. Uh, da, 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 da. well, let's see, let's, let's put it this way, Joel, just on July 1st, I delivered 1,066 impressions. So my, uh, impressions, uh, for, are done if I were on Wooshka right now. Uh, now see, I don't, where did you see that? I must've missed the limit. Uh, I'm looking at their pricing plans right now. Uh, it says okay. $0 per month. One hour of transcripts per month, which, by the way, that's that's a new feature. I know a lot of podcasters out there are looking for transcripts of their podcasts. Uh, and 1,000 dynamic ad impressions per month. Even at 
the $99 per month pricing plan, it says 50,000 dynamic ad impressions per month. Now, I do wonder if that's your impression. Like, you can deliver, like, what you were yeah. talking about with the cross promotions and not necessarily I, the ads that are being served on your podcast. I guarantee you that's what they're, that's what they're talking about there. That's, so that 1,000 dynamic ad impressions is your ads inserted into, your promotions inserted into your content 1,000 times across the month for free or 50,000 times for – that seems a huge jump to me. So you, your options are the forever free plan or the pro plan, which jumps up to $99 a month. Now there is also a custom plan, but I'm imagining that's not going to be below more than the ninety nine dollars, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> According to what their description of custom is, yeah, that would be. Uh, I mean, hey, uh, it's a great first step. I would just caution that I, it's not necessarily going to deliver everything that you're necessarily looking for. I would love for a place like Spreaker that has the dynamic ad insertion already. Uh, to offer up the ability to to buy ads and and run them, and they do have a they they do have it. It's buried deep within uh, the system where you can actually buy advertisements that they will place across the network. Uh, and I believe the minimum buy is uh, is a thousand impressions, if I'm not mistaken, at like a ten dollar CPM. Um, so your minimum buy is ten bucks. Uh, but I don't. Yeah, I, I just, I love it. I'm glad that they're in the game. There are other places that obviously offer dynamic ad insertion out there. Podbean is one, I know for sure. Acast is another. Uh, Audio Boom is another. There's plenty of other hosting. You know, we've talked about Libsyn has it available on their Pro. Blueberry has got something coming um, if they don't already have it. Uh, and there's other places out there that offer dynamic ad insertion which is fantastic it's wonderful it should be something that is embraced it doesn't necessarily refer to the ads that will get served on your podcast although that is one of the biggest advantages for a smaller podcaster to take advantage of because as a smaller podcaster you simply aren't going to get unless you're in a very specific niche you're not going to get those host right ads that are going to deliver the higher CPMs. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it'd be great if it did, but it's not. So the only way for you to make money from advertising as a smaller podcaster is through those pre-produced ads that you typically hear on the radio. Your audience isn't going to get turned off by it. I've got over four years of data of working with 2,400 podcasters that shows that the audience does not get turned off by the by the advertisements. 2,400 shows that I worked with that used dynamic ad insertion all showed growth over the years. So it's the ads aren't going to turn off your audience. It's just a matter of how comfortable you as a creator are in doing that and how much you are looking to maximize your revenue streams. You mentioned it last week, Mr. Sharpton, that we needed to create a Patreon page. And so I did. <laughs> there is a page. I, there's still some more tweaking I think I want to do to it before we necessarily make it a hundred percent public, but it is live. If you, if you know how to search for things, you could easily search it and go ahead and, and jump on it. But there's still some more stuff that we want to do to it. Yeah, it's coming. We'll, we'll make a full announcement of that in the uh, next couple of weeks. And then the other thing to know is that we've loaded a bunch of back content onto it there. So if you're somebody who has been annoyed by the ads, when you get a chance to buy into that, you'll have access to 
most of the episodes that we've done together, if not all of them, eventually um, without any advertising at all. So you can go through and listen to the content the way that you want to. That's what it, that's what podcasting is about, Jay. Right. Doing it the way you want it. Um, so I'm I'm for this. I'm glad that Wishka has offered this. I'm excited to see it grow. I hope uh, I hope it's a good service. I hope uh, if it is a good service that people take advantage of it, and I hope they are successful with it. Uh, all of this, Jay, is in response to. Anchor. Anchor is the one that has come in and disrupted here. Their big purchase by Spotify. Oh, I forgot they have a, dynamic ad insertion with free hosting. They, they do. They, well, I will say this, though. So I don't believe, and I'm, I'm again, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I, I've, I've only had one client that used Anchor, but when I was using them for that client, I don't believe you could insert an advertisement within your content dynamically. Could you? It was pre-rolls and post-rolls that they were that I could tack on to the show and get monetized. I don't think there was one that I could insert a mid-roll. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I believe Maybe there they, was, but I, I don't believe there was. I believe they have mid-roll insertion. If they don't, it's Listen, the, the reason why all these companies now have dynamic ad insertion is cuz it's open sourced. It's open source code that is easily attainable. So if they don't have mid-roll insertion, they should be getting it very soon. It's, Developers should copy and paste, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, there, there's no secret sauce in that either. So the differentiator is going to be, do I got to pay a hundred bucks a month to use that sort of system? Or am I going to pay $0 a month to use that sort of system? So you, you and I have both been very much for this while we both had our, our sort of heels down and like we're leaned way back on Anchor at first, I think as we've learned more about it, generally we've been fairly positive on the idea of something like this existing and for other services copying some aspects of what they're doing, primarily because we both want more shows, right? We want more podcasts to exist. I want the next person who is thinking about starting a show to just jump in there and do it. I want that content to exist. I want the next podcaster to jump on and start start creating so that they can get good at creating. That's my general uh, angle, Jay. The negative side of that, and, and, and by the way, you're, you're hemming and hawing in your look, so I'll give you a chance to respond to that. Maybe we don't need all the creators creating. Uh, but the, the negative aspect of that is something that James Cridlin reported in Pod News uh, right after we went on the air last week, actually. Um, he is saying that he's got evidence that Anchor is bypassing Apple Podcasts' approval process, including, and I thought he just meant test shows, because we've seen that, I've seen that personally, right. where someone has, has an episode marked test, you know, it's name test, the show is <laughs> name test, if you click play, it goes, oh, I'm just testing this out to see if it works, all right, trying an Anchor podcast, guys, and then like that's all that's there. That should never be submitted to Apple, and if it's submitted, it shouldn't be uh, put in the directory. So we knew that was happening already, and something was going wrong there. But he's saying the bigger, more explosive thing to me is copyright violation as well. Yeah. He found a show, and not just one, but a bunch of shows. The one in particular, though, that he highlights uh, was posted in February 2019, and the Content says exactly what it is. Mixtape one playing the greatest songs from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and more. The episode is a two-hour mixtape 
containing nothing but nonstop copyright music from a number of record companies. The first track played in full was A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Uh, it included Dancing With Myself by Generation X. Uh, the podcast description was unambiguous, promising the best variety of songs for you to download and enjoy wherever you like. So there's no way that any person or filter could have gone over this content and not seen that it was against the rules and bounced it. And yet here it sits, even at la as of last Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, it was still there in the Apple Podcast directory, which means, Jay, his James's broader point is if you're in the Apple Podcast directory, that means you're in the Overcast directory and the Pocket Cast directory and Player FM and Castro and a variety of other apps as well. All of these apps are serving this copyright violating content that is in clear. Like it's not like they snuck in and no. put a sounder of of Bart Simpson halfway through their you know forty five minute podcast. This is in clear copyright violation. This should not be a podcast, and yet there it sits. What's going on, man? Well, and to make things even more cloudy, especially for Anchor users, because as we know, Anchor was acquired by Spotify. Anchor users can create Spotify-specific shows, and they have license to use music on the Spotify platform that's only supposed to be broadcast, obviously, on Spotify, because that's where the license resides. Uh, and that that will really cloud it up, because then you got some jamoke out there who goes and creates their music show, and they're like, oh, well, now i got to spread the word and put it everywhere that this can be heard. It just... Um, yeah, it's it's troubling to see. And then in sort of related news, and this will get to my point about everyone should not be creating, uh, 706,000 podcasts, according to Blueberry, uh, how many are still in production? According to Amplify Media, about 280,000. That's 18% of the podcast ca catalog. I don't want to see a bunch of junk cluttering. We talk about this discovery problem. I've always mentioned there's not a discovery problem in, a po in the podcasting world. There's a discovery of your podcast in the podcasting world. And junk just makes it that much more difficult to find your podcast. If there are only 280 active shows out there, and again, we've had this conversation too, like what do you do with a show like Serial, which is clearly not making active episodes but is generating still a large sizable audience to this day you know years after it was originally released years after it stopped production of new episodes uh how do we how do we clean that up how do we make it so that you know only the shows that should be listened to are listened to and clearly even in this particular instance where apple has a set guideline that those guidelines aren't even being you know, followed by Apple. It, all of this is just, it blows my mind that, that stuff like this is even happening. Even today, I mean, we're, we're 15 years old, 14, 15 years old now as an industry. This stuff shouldn't still be happening. So uh, James says that, uh, first of all, he says that Anchor denies it, has denied it in the past, mm -hmm. and continues to deny it officially. They say we take anything down that's DMCA CA, uh, non-compliant, uh, and, and if there have been any changes made to the submission process, we have not been made aware of it. However, he's also heard from podcast publishers that they individually, as a featured provider by Apple, 
can post anything they want to, and it goes live right away within minutes onto their Apple Podcasts account, which would seem to imply that for some people, there is a velvet rope that once you get past once, anything that you send through can just go on by. Uh, it's a bad thing, man. It's a, This is a very, very bad idea, particularly in light, Jay, of what Apple is doing rightfully so to crack down on spam in their directory. When we look mm. at the shows that they've kicked out for keyword spamming and for author tag spamming and for all those other issues, I mean, I think about why didn't somebody sue them? <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, why doesn't a big name producer that gets bounced from the podcast directory sue Apple for allowing test shows like this and for copyright violating shows like this to exist on their directory while bouncing their show for legitimate, one would argue, keyword reasons for searchability. Like, I think, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but that sounds like a pretty reasonable case uh, of, of you, you know, a, a platform owner uh, building an unlevel playing field. That seems like the kind of thing that lots of judges would have an interest in hearing. Well, I mean, it all comes down to dollars and cents. Is it going to be worth it for that particular person to file that lawsuit? Are they are they going to make a big financial gain out of it? Most likely not. And similarly, the reason why the record labels aren't suing all these podcasters is because they know that that dude who posted Vanessa Carlton's 10,000 miles has no money whatsoever. So they can go and they can sue him, and what are they going to get out of it? They're going to get a penny, and it's going to cost them more to file the lawsuit and, and pay the lawyers to file the lawsuits than it is actually going to get, than they'll actually get in return from that particular person. Now, that said, I know that there are other big-time podcasters out there who have big-time shows that have used copyrighted material in the past, and those guys do have money, and... They continue to break the rule because they can get away with it. I wonder for how much longer that will be as more and more reports come out about the money pouring into podcasting. That will be something to pay attention to. That, that also said, uh, I've heard that there's a big announcement coming at Podcast Movement, which I unfortunately will not be in attendance for, uh, and it has to do around music licensing. So... Uh, there could be good news coming for podcasters who are looking to put music into podcasts. I, I think it's got to be coming eventually in some way. It might not be the complete solution that we're looking for. I think it might even be uh, what's becomingly becoming increasingly common for the podcast industry, which is like four or five different similar solutions that overlap a little bit <laughs> and none of which are complete, <laughs> right? Like, doesn't that sound like the way that we're probably going to solve it? Mm. You'll have three different music services that you can subscribe to, <laughs> some of which have an exclusive uh, uh, deal with different media hosts. So, like, if mm. you're a Libsyn user, you'll probably have one. And if you're a Blueberry user, you'll have a different one. And if you're a Spreaker, you might have a third. But you can buy into any of them individually if you want to for an additional subscription or something. I don't know. I, I'm imagining it's going to be complicated. But I am excited to see this sorted out because, frankly – Music is a big missing aspect of the podcasting world, and it is only a matter of time until we figure it out in some way and make it all make sense. Uh, YouTube has figured it out, made it work in a way that the artists can be happy with, that creators can be happy with. Podcasting will as well. Um, 
Jay, we've actually got that guest that I mentioned I want to get to, and so we're going to do that pretty quickly. But before we do that, iHeartRadio had the top 100 podcasts, a, a very interesting list that they put out. Um, what did you think about this? Yeah, so obviously they are only counting the listens on their platform and their number one podcast listened to is the ron burgundy show followed by the bobby bones show if you don't know who bobby bones is he's a popular dj in nashville specifically in the country music he's a big influencer in the country music landscape and he's been added to the american idol cast so uh there's a lot of people who know who bobby bones is at this particular point joe rogan is number three uh the breakfast club uh which appears to be uh, a morning show another popular syndicated morning show on iheart radio stations and the ben shapiro show uh is at number five he's a conservative syndicated talk show host as well and then there's there's quite a few others it's it's fun to go through and see you know what people are listening to i did want to point out there's a very interesting what what gets really interesting about their list is as you scroll down through their top 100 uh there are some fun shows that will start to pop up that I know back in the day, blog talk radio used to get uh, ripped for because a lot of the top shows on blog talk radio happen to be of this ilk. And it's a lot further down than I thought it was originally, but um, the, uh, the, the, the monster shows for lack of a better word, the Sasquatches, if you will. Um, There we go. Sasquatch Chronicles is at number 74. Uh, in, in the top 100, uh, which is um, which is rather funny. Uh, you know, it's higher than, you know, Murderville out of Art 19 or Bill O'Reilly, uh, no spin news excerpts. Uh, it's, it's so when you start getting into these lists and you actually see what people are listening to and how many people are listening to these shows, it can get quite interesting. And what's even more interesting is that the folks over at Rain decided to compare the iHeart list to the PodTrack list. And we all know that PodTrack obviously can only count uh, their clients. They don't have access to people that are not in their particular list. And so uh, Joe Rogan is not a PodTrack client, um, so he doesn't appear on the PodTrack list, but he's number three in the iHeart radio list. Uh, This American Life does not appear in iHeart's list, uh, but it is number two on PodTrack's list. And iHeart, if you go and you search iHeart, This American Life is not on the iHeart app. Uh, the other factor to keep in mind, Ron Burgundy is number one. Well, iHeart's radio stations, there's 850 plus of them, uh, can promote the podcast, and they do quite heavily through uh, their online sources, through their newsletters, through their uh, through the app and through their radio station specifically. And Ron Burgundy is at the tops. Not a big surprise when you put that much marketing push behind a flagship type show. Although one final quirk stuff you should know, which is the flagship, you know, the flagship stuff media is owned by iHeartMedia, <laughs> ranks higher in PodTrack at number three than it does in iHeartRadio at number 11, uh, which if you can if 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 you wanted to try and start matching where certain things show up in podtrack and certain things show up in iHeartRadio you can start to see sort of where the real audience lies uh with those particular programs 
Well, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, obviously, the Ron Burgundy thing is going to show up at the top of that list because of how heavily they promoted it. But also, Jay, uh, as you and I discussed when we talked about the show itself, a lot of people think that's probably the only place you can get it. I did at first. I thought I was going to have to go to the iHeart uh, radio app instead of being able to get it in my regular podcast app. I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Likewise, you know, this American life isn't even featured in iHeartRadio, So it can't rank on their list, no matter how many people listen to it. But also I would say that this American life listeners are already listening elsewhere. They're not going to the iHeartRadio app for that at all. Meanwhile, iHeartRadio listeners are listening to content that is similar to what iHeartRadio has trained them to listen to, i.e. content that's similar to their radio programming, right? That's why the Rush Limbaugh show is so popular there, why Ben Shapiro is popular there, why the Colin Cowherd show is so popular there. Uh, But things like Stuff You Should Know is lower on their list, even though they're heavily promoting it because it's one of their family of, of podcasts. Why? Because the Stuff You Should Know listeners, again, like This American Life listeners, already have a podcast app and they're already continuing to listen to stuff you should know wherever they listen to their other podcasts you know I, i've been listening to josh and chuck since before iheart owned them so i've never moved to the iheart radio app to listen to that show and i won't ever i imagine unless they make it exclusive at some point you know the other interesting thing about this list that i just realized because uh, i was thinking of how i could share a list with you but i don't believe i'm legally able to uh wrestling shows are very popular podcasts. They have very large audiences. And I don't see a wrestling podcast anywhere in the top 100, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure there's a wrestling podcast on iHeartRadio. Uh, I don't know of a iHeart exclusive, though. Uh, do you? That could be. That know. that could be the point. And I think that's, that's another thing that we're sort of getting to the point here with, is while there are a lot of shows from... Other networks, uh, most of the top shows on the iHeartRadio app, and again, it just makes sense, are iHeartRadio related. The Nashville Podcast Network, for instance, shows up quite large on here, and those are all iHeartRadio hosts. So, uh, yeah, there's no uh, there's no wrestling podcasts here in the top 100. Uh, what about Sore Losers? That's from the Nashville Podcast Network. I don't, that doesn't obviously screw the logo doesn't scream it's uh, wrestling to me, but uh, it's just a sports podcast. There you go. All right. So, Jay, before we get to our currently listing, uh, we've got a little conversation to share. Uh, one of my clients and a friend of mine, Rhodes Perry, joined me earlier this week for a discussion about Apple podcast categories. Let's go hear that now. And I am joined by one of my clients and a very good friend of mine, Rhodes Perry. Uh, Rhodes, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Joel. Thank you for for joining us. This is a conversation you and I have been talking about a couple of weeks. You're a very busy man, particularly this time of year. You're very busy uh, because it is obviously the very tail end of Pride Month here. I've got you at the end of of Pride Month 2019. uh, And as a matter of fact, when this interview comes out, I think it'll technically already be July. But it is a conversation that I wanted to have because at the beginning of Pride Month, Apple made an announcement about the categories in Apple Podcasts as they're coming in the fall to not only iOS devices, but also now the Mac as well. Apple Podcasts is coming in full to the Mac as a separate application. And that's very exciting for podcasters like you and me. But in particular, one of the categories that they didn't add was an LGBTQ category. And I thought, 
I can talk about that as an ally or someone who would like to see it. But in particular, your show is one that would benefit directly and and you can speak more directly to this as the why we would want one and and other ways that might um, that big companies like Apple, that directories like like Apple might could help your community and others like yours. So let's start with who you are. Exactly. Rhodes, your show is The Out Entrepreneur, which is. A show that I tell you sometimes I sort of feel guilty uh, charging you to edit it because I feel like I get a lot of entrepreneurial lessons from it as well. Yeah. But what what is what is your show about and how did you decide to launch into podcasting? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Joel. So um, just a little bit about who I am. So I am a podcaster. I've been uh, running my show, The Out Entrepreneur, for about two and a half years. And I love it. I, I jumped in around the time that I started my business. So really what I was looking for was, you know, similar to other business podcasts that are out there, you know, a combination of both learning about how the basics of running a business, like growing a business, being super successful, but also trying to find possibility models for myself. Uh, I am a transgender guy, I'm bisexual, so I'm very rooted in the rainbow community. And I, you know, I wanted to see if there were other business owners out there who are LGBT who have found a way of both being 100% themselves in their business and and building thriving businesses, not in spite of being LGBT, but because being LGBT is what I call an LGBT superpower. So, and it's been so awesome because I've I've interviewed a lot of folks that are further on the path of growing businesses and um, really learning from them, and also connecting with people, you know, maybe a, a few steps behind me, but just getting started and and kind of getting into the mindset of you know when you do take that leap and you start your own business. How do you how do you make friends with the fear that's uh, usually um, running parallel with you on your course of of kind of making things up as you go and really learning from other folks? So this topic that we're jumping into today is kind of like a sweet spot of both the podcast and then what I do in business where I help other businesses as big as Apple um, think about, okay, these are your diversity, equity and inclusion goals. Let's have like a a floor of just figuring out like where does your diversity live and how do you want to better include underrepresented folks? So um, I find it really interesting that of all of these millions of new categories that have popped up, Apple themselves has have not really consciously thought about demographics uh, of show hosts, right? And we know, um, you know, we're two white guys. Um, you know, there's a lot of white guys in podcasting. So it's kind of like that is the default. And I'm sure there's lots of listeners out there who are like, you know what, I want to listen to a show on car talk, but I would love to listen to a female mechanic or, you know, like it's just to me, it would make sense to have categories that just make it a little bit easier to connect with hosts that resonate with you. Right. So there's, there's so much there that I want to jump off of the, the thought that I literally just had as you wrapping up there Rhodes, is maybe the answer is tagging, like literally going back to keywords. I know that's a thing yeah. that we've deprecated in iTunes from, from once upon a time, older podcasters remember when keywords were important. It's not really a thing they do anymore, but for, for the LGBT, for the rainbow family, that's the way you describe it on your show so often. And I love that nomenclature too, for the rainbow family, you've effectively got one category in the entire list. And I guess, I guess we should say, thank you, Apple. It has continued into the new list, right? They didn't get rid of it, but you've got health and sexuality, which is the subcategory under health. And so I know a lot of shows that are about the rainbow family in one area or another use that as one of their categories. But like your show, that is not applicable as a title at all. The fact that it focuses on members of the rainbow family 
in business, like it's just yeah. a shame that if I'm again, if I'm a young lesbian, a young transgender man, whatever it might be, and I'm thinking, how do I both overcome the stigmas and issues that I'm facing in my day to day personal life and launch a business? Well, guess what? There's a show out there just for me, but I don't know how to find it <laughs> unless yeah. I can guess at your title, you know, your clever title. So, absolutely, that's yeah. the like overarching reason. But in particular, for the, like the broader question for me, Rhodes, was why not have a top category and subcategories? You talked about, you know, the superpowers that the Rainbow family brings to the table a lot of times. And it's, for me, I hear your show and so many of those stories go back to the coming out story and the mm -hmm. like the uh, self-confidence, the individuality that it brings to be able to step aside and and to try to risk potential like failing relationships or like overcoming those things and say it's worth it to be myself period yeah. we as entrepreneurs do that same thing right we have to say maybe i'll fall on my face maybe i'll try for my dreams and it won't work maybe my friends and family won't be supportive maybe the thing that i want to sell nobody wants to buy yeah. and you have to try it anyway if it's really in you to do that so i love that parallel and i think that is like the number one argument for having a top category and a subcategory in particular, because I feel like that discovery that you talked about the mentor-mentee relationship, how you get both from your guests a lot of times, all of that knowledge for folks that are removed physically from centers of LGBT population in general. So like when they're isolated, you don't know, podcasting can be a way that we find that and discover that. I wish that Apple and Spotify in particular, since they seem to be the two biggest in the game, would see that as an opportunity and to highlight. I'll ask you this pointed question. Why isn't, for instance, featuring in the you know directory, the catalog there at the top, sometimes you'll get, oh, hey, LGBT shows, and maybe you get 30 or 40 shows. And they do that often. I'll give them credit, mm -hmm. not just during Pride Month. They do it throughout the year for different reasons. Why is that not enough? Uh, it's not enough because, I mean, every day, think about more and more podcasts are being added. I mean, probably by the second. I don't know. So it's, I mean, there there are a number of LGBT podcasts that are out there. But like what you were saying, health and sexuality, I mean, come on, like even sexuality is, I mean, we're talking about gender identity, sexual orientation, gender expression. When we're talking about the Rainbow Family, there's lots of different dynamics other than sexuality, humans, and community. So I think like that category alone is really insulting. And for all of the resources that Apple has, it's like, come on and invest and actually get to know LGBT communities because this is not how we talk about who we are. And just like everyone else on the planet, we're super diverse. So, you know, I mean, even it's this I, I really kind of agree with your approach of subcategories because for me, if this show didn't exist and I was looking for kind of mentorship with folks who are LGBT as well, what a blessing to be like, okay, business and culture, which is really that's how I've long categorized, you know, the show business and culture and subcategory LGBT hosts or transgender hosts or, you know, things that like can connect me much quicker than haphazardly seeing a page featuring like, here's some amazing LGBT podcast. And some of them are talking about like where to go to pride. And some of them are talking about how to date. And then others are talking about how to grow a business. It's like, it's very, it's, it's super varied. And so 
that kind of mixture of LGBT hosts and the content area that they have expertise in, it's, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. And I think that that is something that could easily be bridged, that kind of gap of just getting connected more, more seamlessly. And the things that I find fascinating when I look at um, kind of uh, geographic demographics of where people are tuning into the show, there's a lot of people in countries like Uganda, where I've had a, a guest in the past, McBurn Tours. Um, Uganda is a country that it is illegal to be LGBT. There is a big population of folks listening to my show in Uganda. You know, so I mean, it's 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 a lifesaver, you know, for certain communities and for certain folks globally. So, you know, it behooves Apple to really think about, you know, this is a service, you know, that they've separated their iTunes and podcasting and a number of other things, right? But this is directly connected to their big vision as a global business to say, we care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, if they added categories around demographics and including LGBT people, then their their leaders, their, their chief diversity officers can point to not only this is what we're doing for our team and our staff, but this is how we're looking at our products and our services and making sure that those are connected to our bigger vision of inclusion. And they're not doing it. And it's just like that to me is just like, it's a softball. They can hit that out of the park and just kind of be more effective in that messaging. And they're missing the boat. Absolutely. Again, the thing that blows my mind is to make this announcement at the beginning of June, right? Yeah. Like I I mean, and they could do that. They could do that if they did it around demographics. Honestly, every month there is a celebration for a different dimension of our diversity. So if you go to October, you can look at Latinx. It's actually Hispanic Heritage Month that goes between September and and uh, and October. Another show that I on a live podcast station that I record on, you know, there's Latino Founder Hour. You know, I mean, haphazardly, again, how do you find that show, you know, in the business section? It's just going to get lost in the mix of Entrepreneur on Fire and all of the kind of leading entrepreneur shows, which are super helpful. But again, like those hosts resonate with a kind of a dominant culture and, and it's not going to not going to resonate with someone who maybe have has immigrated from Honduras and is trying to figure out how the hell they can start a business in the United States. Right. So anyway, again, that's I, a, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking more and more that tagging is the answer here, that, that some sort of like the keyword tagging, it could be because the, the fact of the matter is that your show should be offered to me. Uh, alongside other business shows in general, if I search for entrepreneurship or for small businesses or brands, et cetera, et cetera, like because again, I'm I'm a straight cis man. I'm I'm yeah. getting a lot of information from your show anyway. I think a lot of other people can, no matter what their gender and sexuality uh, might be, but. At the same time, if I'm looking specifically for one of those identities to be represented, then I ought to see your show and a show about, you know, I don't know, Tales from the City and, yeah. uh, you know, a, a, a show about uh, uh, Will and Grace and, a, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. a, and, and yeah. a show about <laughs> transgender health. You know, yeah. like how to navigate the world of American healthcare as a <laughs> member of that community. Like, so like... All of those things could be presented right there alongside each other. And all you got to do, you look at Smart Search, like Rhodes, they've, Apple solved this already. If you go into Finder and I say yeah. MP3, it offers a little automatic tag and it says, do you mean 
files that are the kind mp3 and i'm like yeah and i click that and it locks that into place and then i can add to it also give me mp3s named george and they're like here's all the people named george that sing a song you know that you have an mp3 on your computer so i I could click lgbtq plus and lock that into place and then search business or tv or whatever or books or you know health or whatever and again you they don't have to reinvent the wheel but but i i hope that you and i and others that are interested in this begin to advocate for it because i mean maybe it'll take us a year or two for apple to implement it they are a slow moving behemoth in some ways uh particularly when it's not their idea (laughs) but they do come around and every year they do have an opportunity to update these things podcasts is now a major initiative for them again it's been you know refreshed in this way it's going to be on the mac as well and i think that I think that there's an interest in their company long term to do something more with it. There's some rumors behind the scenes that they're looking at subscriptions or taking payments directly or helping us through some sort of like Patreon type support or whatever. Anyway, any way they go, particularly if they make it make actual dollars and cents for them, then you can see, okay, well, now this is the kind of thing that we can come in and say, here's how you make it better. Here's how you improve the product for us, the producer, and for the final consumer, and you're going to make everybody happier, and you're going to blow Spotify out of the water. Meanwhile, Spotify, if you're listening... Here's a way to get a bunch of a rush of new creators (laughs) that are excited about promoting your service versus another, you know. So uh, if you're serious about podcasting and you see the big swing in the mist that Apple has done on this topic in particular, why not take advantage of it? Rhodes, I I don't want to take all your time here. I know you're a very busy man, but the one the broader thing I want to ask about, and, and this is what I hear some people come back with, and we've already talked about other um, groups that should also have similar uh, categories, top categories and subcategories uh, under it. They're underserved currently. We've mentioned a few already, but that's sort of the refrain that I hear is I say, okay, well, if you open it up and we put an LGBTQ category in there, well, we have to put a woman's category, right? And subcategories under that. And then we have to go and put in uh, African-American category. And then ev- literally every culture gets a category and all of a sudden there's a thousand and that's going to break the iTunes machine. Computers <laughs> computers can't go to a thousand roads. You know that. Well, first of all, I and you and I talked about this before we started. I don't think that's true. I think Apple can do whatever they want to as far as the categories goes. I think we could have many, many, many categories. I don't think the technical overhead there is too much. But let's assume that they're right. Let's assume that for you, for some reason, you and I don't understand the ones and zeros, and they can't. What could Apple do for the Rainbow Family specifically, but also for communities like female podcasters? I, I look at the great work that the She Podcast Group is doing, for instance. They, they're Uh, just about to have their first event here in the fall. That's very exciting. Uh, I I mean, others have have done the same thing, finding their little niche and amplifying their voices within the podcasting space. But what could Apple do outside of the categories? Maybe, Maybe they can't do that. Let's say they can't. What could they do to help these minority communities find each other better and then amplify those voices again to their potential audiences? Yeah. Well, one, I think they can do that. They, I mean, they can do anything that they want. So, you know, hire some hire some really young, innovative programmers and connect with 
underrepresented communities and figure out how to best categorize by demographics. Like number one, I think they can do that. Um, secondly, you know, I think linking up this team that kind of focuses on their podcast services with their chief diversity officer or like the, the, the fleet of staff that focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion and figure out, you know, when they're doing months, you know, and they're engaged with their employee resource groups, like, hey, you know, there's whole podcasters out there focusing on, you know, gender equity, you know, if we're, we're talking about bringing in women and featuring women podcasters, right? Like, connect with them, you know, find the ones that are ranking high on, on Apple podcasts and figure out a way to bring them in and, and feature their work. Um, similarly for pride, you know, I mean, there's lots of LGBT podcast hosts out there talking about different aspects of community and culture, many of whom are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. And so, I mean, they have the resources to do whatever they want. So if they really want to kind of lead, continue to lead as being the go-to source for podcasts. I think they take that for granted. And I think services like Spotify and like Pandora and others that that have uh, bigger budgets are are recognizing, you know, there is a gap in, in serving what podcast hosts want and, and how we can grow our shows, you know, financially too. I mean, as soon as that are optional podcast, I think that I, I I think they could be vulnerable of of kind of losing engagement. I mean, for us, you know, we want to be on as many platforms as possible, right? But Apple tends to be the go-to source to be like, if you want to find, you know, our show, go to Apple or anywhere else you consume podcasts, right? We always lead with Apple. Um, but if they're not listening to what what many of us want, especially for those of us who are underrepresented, I I, I think that's a that's an area where they are vulnerable and they they need to get creative and. I think they have all the right people um, across their ginormous organization where that wisdom lives within. Um, they just need to be curious and, and maybe talk with their employee resource groups, you know, their women's resource group, their club, et cetera. And, uh, and uh, I don't think they're leveraging that in the ways that some other leading, you know, global corporations do in a really strategic way. Um, especially with podcasts. I mean, this is an area that's growing tremendously every single day and they really, you know, and for better or worse, they, they have a monopoly right now, but that doesn't mean that's, that is, is so for forever. Right. So I don't know. I mean, this is, these are kind of half-baked strategies right now, but I, you know, I hope that they're listening. I appreciate you, you know, making this space and, and kind of doing this, uh, this kind of advocacy for our community, our podcasting community. And, um, um, I hope there. I hope someone out there is listening. It's like, oh, these are great ideas, and you know, maybe they'll they'll give you credit for creating this space. But chances are, probably not. Like you said, if it's not their idea, you know what? Fine. You know, absorb this idea and do some good changes. And if you need some consulting help, you know, there's a lot of us out there that can help you with that. In particular, if you're <laughs> looking for consulting on on this particular question, I I know a wonderful company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of roads. Where yeah. where can people find more about you and your company and your your show and your book? Don't you've you've got a book oh, available too? Yes, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the best place to find me is really easy. It's Rhodes, like kind of spelled the same as Rhodes Scholar, but not a Rhodes Scholar. So Rhodes Perry, all one word. dot com, and that's going to take you to my business. So the consulting business. Uh, you can find the podcast there. Um, just at the top, you'll see podcast and you'll see book. Um, and so I do have a book out there called Belonging at Work, and it's really focused more broadly. You know, I mean, I definitely center my own experiences from the rainbow community, but it's focused broadly on kind of global diversity, equity, inclusion efforts within giant organizations like Apple or really tiny organizations 
organizations, but making sure that when you're thinking about your mission and everything that you do, you're considering the experiences of underrepresented folks and you are stepping up to the plate to do a better job in serving them. Thank you, Rhodes. Thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, thank you for your show in particular and your friendship, of course. I've uh, been enjoying enjoying being a client uh, or having you as a client for, goodness, we're going on uh, a little more than a couple of years now, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you do awesome work. So anyone who needs help and making your podcast sound really good, definitely reach out to Joel. He's awesome to work with. Thanks. All right. Now I'm blushing. All right, Rhodes. Yeah, it's Uh, true. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. First of all, thank you, Rhodes, for joining us for that conversation. Uh, Jay, I'm sorry that we couldn't all get together to have that chat. But the the big thing that I think that is important there to take away is we can't control what Apple does. But a lot of Rhodes' suggestions there at the end, what to do if we don't ever get an LGBTQ category or whatever minority or underdog group that you align with, uh, if, if you aren't ever represented as a top category or a subcategory in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of these big directories, there's still lots of ways that you can be an ally and an advocate for your own community as well as others that are underrepresented in the podcast space. And I think there's a lot of good takeaways there. So again, thank you, Rhodes, for that. And thank you for um, sharing your opinions and insight into that topic. Jay, what are you currently listening to? Well, I am currently listening to quite a few things. Uh, But what I'm really going to give you today in the currently listening to is a tease. Sorry, I'm not actually going to tell you what what I've been listening to. But coming soon, and I believe soon is as early as next week, uh, I did a special five podcasts in five days uh, for Barrett Sports Media at barrettsportsmedia.com. Jason Barrett is a former colleague of mine from ESPN. He consults with a lot of radio uh, sports radio stations. Uh, this is his third season or third session of podcast listening titled Five Podcasts in Five Days in Reviews. I was honored to be asked to do this uh, for him. All five podcasts that I ended up listening to are sports podcasts. Um, and I'm thinking he's going to try and get this published next week. I gave him my initial documents, my initial reviews already. I'm probably going to have some edits. I don't know if he's going to provide me with any edits specifically, but uh, even in just talking with you, I want to do some edits uh, to to a couple of the ones that I've already written. Uh, but I will let you know on my social media at the Real Pod Vader on Twitter. Uh, when it is live, and certainly, obviously, on this show, as soon as it goes live. And uh, we'll talk about some sports podcasts that I've been listening to. Excellent. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that, Jay. I think it's. Uh, I think that's a good idea for you. I think it's going to be a good um, avenue. Uh, I have been doing some preparation this week, and that's what I'm going to feature in my currently listening. I've been listening again to Cocaine and Rhinestones Season 1. Cocaine and Rhinestones is a podcast brought to you by Tyler Mahan Co. I interviewed him previously on this show. Uh, and it is about the history of country music and the people that made it, uh, particularly 20th century country music. Um, he has made an announcement on his Patreon. He, he sort of teases and, and promotes what's going on and gives some behind-the-scenes glances into the production of Season 2 uh, all the time for people who support him through Patreon. He has made an update and then has made that now public uh, in his Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. Season 2 is 
continuing to be in production. He hasn't announced a release date for it yet, but he has announced the subject. Season two, unlike season one, season one was an anthology series, so it was a different topic every episode, basically. Season two is going to be one topic throughout the whole season, and it is all George Jones. <laughs> mm. I am I am so excited, first of all. And he's also said that uh, the seasons will now go back and forth. So every odd-numbered season will be an anthology season, and every even-numbered season will be one oh, artist smart. only tying it all together. And so he's got several big artists that he's going to feature a whole season on, but then the in-betweens will be these anthologies. And it's not like the only thing we will hear about will be George Jones. He's going to use, he's going to use George Jones to tie together a bunch of different people and, and events but that'll be the arc across season two will be that one character, the possum. Uh, and I mean, if you know anything about country music, George Jones is a character. He literally went crazy for a while. He had an alternate personality called the duck that he would like speak to and then speak as for long periods of time. Uh, it, it, like the dude went places in his mind and in life. And so I am very, very excited to never mind the music itself, which is, which is fairly phenomenal. So I am, I'm very, very excited to see how this turns out. Uh, Tyler in between season one and season two, by the way, has been given full access to the country music, um, uh, our archives, uh, the country music hall of fame archives. So he's got a lot more, direct research that he's going to be able to bring out and highlight that before he was having to do sort of like secondhand stuff and, and, and like go through tertiary sources or whatever. So now he can go right to these interviews and recordings that uh, are available in the hall of fame. So that's really, really exciting. And uh, if you're at all interested in country music or, or um, audio documentaries about the history of music, then that is going to be for you. So uh, go check out season one, if you haven't heard it yet. Does he have a music license? No. And See, that's a show that would benefit so much so from being able to he's put just playing the music of he's George just Jones in it. Oh, he's he is? Just play, he's, yeah, I know. He's just playing the music. And, sure. and uh, he doesn't play it fully. And, and I will say, no one has a better argument for fair use um, mm. the way that he does it. It's... I mean, it, there is no better argument than the one that he would be able to make in court. Right. And I can't imagine any of these artists, honestly, um, coming against him the way that it is presented. It, even when he when he presents you in a negative light, the, he doesn't present the music in a negative light. Like uh, there's, there's a Slade Cooley episode that is all about what a terrible person that that man is or was and, and how he was a murderer, in fact, a terrible murderer. And yet the music that they highlight in that episode is pretty rocking. So, um, mm. like that's, that's just the way the show is, man. It's a, it's an interesting, interesting subject matter. He does a great job telling the story. I hope he does it for a hundred years. Honestly, like I want Tyler Coe to be an old man till still doing cocaine and rhinestones. Um, so that is my currently listening this week. Uh, you got anything else, Shay? I'm good. All right, bud. Well, we will be back with you next week. We'll have more details on our Patreon so that you can support us directly and get rid of the ads if that's a thing that you're into. Uh, and, of course, we will also have more info on everything that's happening behind the scenes in the podcast industry. Here's a little tease for you, Jay. I'm going to get a look at Captivate, one of those new services, uh, media hosts that we talked about. Uh, I'm going to get a look at Captivate this week and uh, might be moving one of my podcasts to it. Probably will uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we will discuss that. That perhaps as well that until we get back on the air with you uh jay how can they find you at the real pod vader on twitter facebook.com slash pod vader page 
is another way to get in touch with me. You can email me nextfanup at gmail.com. And yeah, that's about it. You can find me at the rogues life on Twitter, or you can find me, uh, at pro podcasting services all the time. Uh, until then, uh, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And I'll bet Mark Asquith of captivate has a different perspective on the 4th of July than we do. (laughs) You darn colonies. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.